Hello and welcome to Dive Into Development. My name is Chris Davis and joining me is the Director of Soccer for FC Carolinas, Dave Dixon. How's it going, Dave? Going great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining me. I'm really excited to learn more about your club today. But um, before we get into that, I usually like to start these off by getting to know the people I'm talking with first. And so I, I was kind of curious, like, what would you say like your soccer origin story is or how you got involved with the game? Yeah. Uh, crazy story. I mean, I, I grew up in a, a rural part of Western Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, and my high school soccer didn't exist until ninth grade. Hmm. Um, so I didn't really grow up in a soccer rich area. Um, the 1990 world cup, Italia 90 got mm -hmm. me hooked on soccer. Um, okay. I was playing youth soccer, playing as it really just a rec recreational level, honestly, all the way through growing up. My dad was my coach. He never played before, but hmm. we needed the coaches and, and he was the coach. And so Italia 90 was just like something that was the first time that I got to see soccer on TV consistently over consistently over a period of time. Right. Um, I fell in love with the U S national team. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that there were some characters in that group, Alexi Lawless and, uh, Tab Ramos and John Harks and Tony Miola. And, um, at that point I was deciding, okay, I want to try to be a goalkeeper. Mm. Um, and so Tony Miola was a, was a really interesting figure in the soccer scene because he was charismatic and, um, you know, he played all these different sports. He could have been this great baseball player, could have been a football player, but he chose soccer. Huh. Um, so he kind of, that kind of excited me. And then Walter Zenga, the uh, Italy's goalkeeper was a, another guy that I was really intrigued in watching. And, and so that's kind of how, how I got hooked in the game. So I didn't really start playing competitive soccer until I was in between my ninth and 10th grade year. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I got hooked late on the game and I, I just, I just loved it. I loved every aspect of it and kind of just got any VHS tape. That's how old I am of uh -huh. any kind of soccer goalkeeping video that I could find to try to teach myself how to become a goalkeeper. Um, so that, that's the start. It was not, not a, uh, uh, real exciting start, but it was a start in, uh, to love the game and that's where the passion started. No, I think that's great. Um, uh, I, I find it interesting how many, uh, you know, Americans in particular uh, get hooked during a World Cup or some of like that. The, that was the same for me. Mine, it was a 2010 World Cup. I mm -hmm. was working at a Best Buy at the time. And so they were like on all of the TVs. And uh, like, I, I still remember when Donovan scored that late goal. Like, that's yeah. what got me hooked. And, uh, yeah. you know, I was, I was a bit older than, you know, in high school when I got into it. But, uh, you know, yeah. something that I really enjoyed and just kind of hooked me like no other sport has. So. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. You just took it and was like, I want to be a goalkeeper. Cause I imagine when most people they're like, Oh, I want to be a striker or, you know, uh, you know, ball playing midfield yeah. or just something. And you're Score like, goals. I want to be a goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. pretty cool. That's pretty yeah, cool. I loved it. I, I, um, and I was fortunate enough that as I went in, I went to a small college in New York mm -hmm. and the coach at the time, um, hit one of his friends was a guy called Rob Walker mm -hmm. and he came in preseason and Rob Walker was a goalkeeper coach. We didn't have enough staff to have a goalkeeper coach. But he was Casey Keller's stepfather. Oh, wow. So Casey Keller was a national team goalkeeper, was in at that time he was in Millwall playing um, yeah. in, in, in England. And so uh, then I just fell in love even more. And Casey Keller kind of became the guy that I wanted to just emulate how I yeah. played. Um, I, fortunately, I wasn't very, unfortunately, I guess I wasn't very athletic. So I, I had to, uh, couldn't do some of the same things he could do. But he was the guy that I tried to, to really emulate and get as much information about as I, as I possibly could. So, so it was pretty cool. I had some really good 
mentors early on and even as I just was developing as a player, but I, I was an extremely late bloomer mm. in the game as far as fandom and ability as a player. Yeah, but um, from what I looked at, like you have a little bio on FC Carolina's um, page and also just personally, I'm a little familiar with you as well. Like that didn't stop you from playing pro at, uh, at Charlotte Eagles, correct? When they were in USL Pro? Yeah, I, I did. I played four years in college and then um, after my senior year, came down and played for the Eagles, was here for a couple seasons. And uh, the league back then was was uh, few and far in between. It was right. very rough to actually, it's still pretty rough for some people to make yeah. a living. Um, but anyways, back then you worked a part-time job and you and you played. And mm-hmm. so uh, I got the chance to play. It wasn't a, a great career, but right. I uh, achieved a dream. Um and was able to to get that experience. And then that just kind of convinced me that coaching, I have to stay involved in the game. And really the only way for me to do that is to try to develop as a coach as well. Right. And and I saw on there uh, that you've been coaching, I think it said like 24 years and uh, including uh, places such as, you know, Charlotte Independence professional team, as well as Indy 11. And you won a national championship with the Charlotte Eagles and USL League 2. I guess at the time it would have been PDL. But um, I'm curious, with, with all of that history that you have coaching, what attracted you to go to FC Carolinas? Well, I mean, a, a big part of it was Jorge Herrera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I coached Jorge at the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and then when I came back to Charlotte, I coached him again with the Independents. Mm-hmm. Um, he's someone that I admire, greatly admire in the game. Um, his wealth of knowledge and his ability to relate to people, his passion for the game, passion for people. It, it was just a, an interesting project. He was, was basically starting from scratch. Um, you know, had some other people he was working with and, um, you know, I just kind of gradually had conversations with him about what, what's going on out there. What are you doing? You know, intrigued me that they had their own facility, which is rare for a really yeah. small club. Um, you know, and just kind of their philosophically what they wanted to try to develop as a club. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it didn't have to be a huge club. It didn't have to be all these different things. He, he wanted kids to get better and have a great experience and develop as people and players. Um, so about a year and a half ago, um, you know, he had a coach that, that they had a coach that transitioned out and he, he had a need for a coach. And he just came to me at one of our training sessions at the Independence. Yeah. Said, hey, would you would you really help me out and kind of fill in for this season till we can find somebody? And I said, no problem. Yeah, um, I, I'll, I'll do that for sure. I'll figure out how to make it work with our schedules. So I gradually kind of just went out and was training a team. And I, I mean, I didn't even, I wasn't able to get to most of their games even because of our independent schedule, but I just really loved the environment. There was a mm-hmm. lot of coaches out there that were love the game and just were really good with kids, um, treated kids really well. And I've been in places where that's not the case. And um, it's all about themselves. It's all about how they look and, you know, winning games and doing this, this, and that. And at the end of the day, it was like the kids were secondary to all of that. Mm. And so I was very impressed with that. And so just kind of gradually over this year, um, you know, the, the professional soccer scene is a little bit rocky. Um, <laughs> yeah. and st- stability is not a mainstay. Right. And so just kind of, I love Charlotte. Um, we went up to Indy. I, I actually, when I left the Eagles, I went to Indy 11. My yeah. family stayed here. And I went up and it was basically like, do we want to move to Indianapolis? Um, and we, we just didn't. We loved right. Charlotte. We, we have great situation with our family and, and just love the area. And so 
coming back, I had a great opportunity to come back when Troy left. Um, Mike was gracious enough to interview me and bring me back. Um, and so kind of going through all that process, we're like, look, we want to make it stable in Charlotte. This is something that could help us be stable for the time being, um, you know, in between type of where do I want to go with the next next thing from a career perspective. And so I just love the the idea and the philosophy and what they wanted to do. And I, I like I said earlier, I, I really respect Jorge mm-hmm. um, and love learning about the game from him. I mean, uh, I got to coach him, but he taught me probably more than I ever taught him about the game for sure. Right. Uh, he played at such a great level. And so, um, you know, partnering with him just was what made sense from a lot of different perspectives. And, you know, we're just hopefully going to try to build something that uh, the kids can get better and, and really enjoy it. Yeah. So I, I definitely get what you're saying about Jorge too, just on a personal level. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his as well. You know, uh, yeah. some of my favorite goals ever were scored by him in an independent shirt. <laughs> um, but, uh, what would you say, you've kind of touched on it already, but what would you say the mi- overall mission is for FC Carolinas? It's interesting because I think I think some of it evolves as you go along as a club. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that the main idea and mission is to provide the highest possible level soccer that they can, mm-hmm. the best possible experience that they can for the best value. Mm-hmm. Um, youth soccer can get crazy. Yeah. As far as finances. Um, and it's not at a point where a lot of clubs can offer free programming. It's just, it's, you know, it's very rare, obviously in some, yeah. all the MLS academies and the, there's some other fortunate places that can do it. But I think that that's kind of the idea. How do we knock down all the potential barriers for kids mm-hmm. to play, which is difficult. I mean, I, everyone talks about it, but then it's really difficult to back it up. And right. And we've we've made mistakes in that too, but we're trying to figure that out. So, whether that's into underserved areas uh, for the game, um, you know, or, or what that means, but providing the best possible experience on the field, we we really believe in development, and the training is the biggest piece of development. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the things about the Champions League that is really exciting for us because we have some flexibility yeah. with you know scheduling with the how we do different things, which is awesome because then you can focus on a lot of training aspects of it and providing all kinds of opportunities for your players to develop, whether that's playing in an older age group, whether that's uh, extra training sessions, whatever it may be, because you're not locked into a rigid, rigid schedule. Um, Right. So, yeah, so that's kind of like the main gist of it. We're working, you know, as we go forward, working on uh, our philosophy and our, um, you know, methodology of how we want to do all those things, our values, um, which is really exciting um, to kind of lock those down and and kind of set down markers and say this is where we're going to build from. Okay, so you you said that you guys uh, want to try to provide you know the best value for your players and things of that nature. How do you go about doing that? Yeah, I think it's I think there's lots of ways. Um, one of the ways is investing in our coaches mm-hmm. and trying to do the best possible job we can to educate our coaches because ultimately your coaches are in front of the players all the time. Mm -hmm. I can't be in front of every team. Jorge can't be in front of every team all the time. So we're trying our best to uh, do as much as we can to help our coaches get coaches, get education. So further education through licensing, Mm -hmm. further education internally. Um, You know, we put them together just training blocks and plans so that we can help them, 
just kind of get everyone on the same page. So, because mm-hmm. to me, sometimes in youth soccer, it's it's uh, talent driven from a coach perspective. So your experience is based on how good your coach is. So you got a great coach and your experience is great and everyone has a great time. Or you have an, a coach that maybe is not ready to coach at that level or whatever, but they don't have any support from their club mm-hmm. and your experience is low. And so what we want to eliminate is any of those up and down experiences. We want it to be the same experience for every kid and every team all the way through our club from a development perspective. So really putting a lot of emphasis there, um, putting a lot of emphasis in the amount of training that we give. Um, You know, we have lots of great options. We're team sessions. We do three sessions a week for every team and we have small group training sessions. We have individual training sessions that people can be engaged in. Um, again, owning our own facility is really easy for us because we don't have to work around anybody's schedule. Right. We have, you know, full discretion over the field. So that makes it really, really nice. Um, you know, so th- we try to concentrate on saying like, okay, can we provide an extra value for what you get outside of that with training? And then the games are just gravy on top of that in the competitions um, inside of that. We, we also help to provide funding for tournaments for our teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not always the burden on the parents. Um, we try to provide um, each team with a certain number of tournaments that the club pays for. Um, so some of that is an experience where we want them to go to maybe a tournament out of town where they can yeah. go as a group. COVID's kind of restricted some of that, but you go out of town as a group and, you know, instead of making it a huge cost burden for the families, we take some of that on, um, you know, and then they can go in and have a great team experience and bond and play teams that they haven't played before because that's fun. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to play different teams. And for a long while before Champions League in Charlotte, I felt like every other game you were playing the same club. Right. And so Champions League's really helped with that to where you can create some, even rivalries are fun, right? So we like, right. oh, we like to really play against that club and that club. And, you know, these are great games. And I, I think that improves the the level of the game as well. So so that's that's another area. And then just, you know, back to the coaches, we want our coaches to invest in our players as people too, um, you know, and trying to help them, you know, it's not, you're just not a number on our team. I mean, you know, we want to create individualized plans that help you get to where you want to go. So just like probably all the teams in champions league, we have some players that aspire to be professional players. We have some players that aspire to be college players. And we have some players that are like, I just love, being out here with my friends and playing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, catering to everybody is difficult, but it's, it's a goal to say, okay, you know, we, we want to have the programming that that professional player can get that, or that player that wants to be a pro could get that opportunity. That player that wants to do this to get that opportunity. And, and that's difficult. And I commend all the clubs that, that work hard to, to make that happen because now I realize how difficult that is. <laughs> so, one thing you mentioned was that uh, you guys try to uh, offset some of the costs so the parents aren't, you know, paying for all the stuff with the travel and things like that. How do you guys go about doing that? Do you do some sort of fundraisers or get some donations mm-hmm. or things of that nature? Yeah, we, we do fundraising um, with individual teams, do some fundraising things. You know, those all differ depending on the team. And then mm-hmm. we do donations, um, you know, through different sponsors and those types of things. And most of those those people, it's it's about the kids. There's they don't need any notoriety or anything like mm-hmm. that, or their name up on the web page. It's just kind of like we believe in what we're trying to do. So, but we're always trying to figure out new ways to do that too. Yeah. Um. So 
we've thought about like we've done nothing with jersey sponsors or mm-hmm. partnerships and those things so we're we got a couple of things coming up you know that we're going to announce shortly that we're going to kind of piece that together with to hopefully you know get some more sponsors so that we yeah. can then continue to figure out ways to reduce costs because it's not i think a lot of people what they don't understand is you know player fees are one thing but then even going to tournaments and team fees they're expensive too yeah and so especially if you have let's say you have a, a good team right that's mm-hmm. uh wants to go and get some different competition levels it's not cheap to do that because you have to pay 900 or a thousand dollars to enter a tournament they have to get a hotel room they have meals they have gas it's not a cheap thing to do and so yeah. just trying to figure out ways to supplement that as well um mm-hmm. you know can be is something that we want to continue to figure out um and so and i'm not a great idea person when it comes to those types of things fundraising so mm-hmm. we, we uh enlist a lot of the soccer moms to help us figure out ways to do little creative things um you know and i think it's good to get the players involved in that as well yeah absolutely and they take ownership of that so we're trying to think of some ways to do that too. Again, COVID makes it difficult to do a lot of fundraising things right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully in the future, we can do some different things that, that would be, would be fun for the kids to do one and, and can, you know, involve them, which is great. Absolutely. I mean, that does sound good. And yeah, COVID has definitely made a lot of things uh, pretty hectic. I, um, yes. I was, uh, amazed and pleasantly surprised when this internship even came up because I was like, oh, they're yeah. doing they're doing soccer right now, and like right. it's just been amazing to see how you know we're doing everything we can to keep things safe. And uh, yeah. I don't I don't know about you, I'm personally excited about being able to go out to Matthew Sportsplex again, yeah. and yeah. Um, re- really grateful that they're finding a way to do that safely. Right. Yeah. So I agree. So you you mentioned like ways of getting your players involved in things like fundraising or anything like that. Is there anything FC Carolinas is doing in the community, whether it's soccer related or not soccer related to kind of, you know, just other things outside of soccer is what I'm wondering about. Yeah. Yeah. Currently we haven't been doing too many things, Mm -hmm. um, but we want to add in some, I don't know what the best word to use. I I, I don't necessarily like community involvement. I would rather Mm -hmm. call them, community service projects, but right. like where we can engage in, you know, non-soccer related things. So we've talked about like developing leaders within mm-hmm. our, <clears throat> within our club and our teams, we want kids to um, understand different things about leadership, understand different things about serving people. Um, you know, cause there's always someone that's in a worse situation than you that you can help. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an important thing to learn early in life. And then it sticks with you as you go through life. And so, one of the things that we talked about, one of our, uh, the mothers on our team is heavily involved in the Rotary Club and different projects that they do. Um, so we're trying to figure out, like, how do we fit into that? And so one of the things we've discussed is how do we go to each team and can they come up with something that collectively that they would be passionate about doing or, you know, enjoy doing with parents and, and players collectively? And so because I think serving alongside your kids is really important too, and being yeah. engaged in community activities. Um, so yeah, we're working through those things. We're, um, you know, we we want to be engaged in 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 Union County um, mm-hmm. in different projects. So we've talked to, you know, we're located in Waxhaw, so we've mm-hmm. talked to the city of Waxhaw about some different things. We've talked to the Union County Chamber of Commerce about different things that they have going on. Um, 
you know, that we can be involved with, even if they're just simple, small things. I think that that's, that's important. Um, so yeah, coming up and on the horizon, um, a part of our, you know, back to the development, like a part of our uh, training program is we, we want to train them to be, like I said, to be leaders. So it's yeah. like, because if they're leaders outside the field, they can be great leaders in the field. Mm -hmm. um, and you want uh, those types of confident players that also have great experiences and world experiences are good um, when it comes to that, especially for the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of on and off the field, uh, a question I always like to ask is, how do you measure success both on and off the field for your players or your club? That's a great question. Um, and there's a million answers to that that fell <laughs> through my head. Um, you know, the last seven years of my life have been coaching where you have to win. Like, mm -hmm. it's like, that's the main, the main objective is getting a result. Yeah. Um, so been really refreshing to be on the other side of that. Like, do I want to win and compete? Yes. But it's more important for me to teach our players how to be competitive. Yeah. Um, I think a byproduct of learning how to compete can be winning. Um, but every day that we go out there, we don't have control over the opponent that we're facing. Um, you know, if we're at a tournament or a league game, we, we have no control over who we get to face. It's apples and oranges sometimes. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can go win a game and play, you know, really poorly. Like we did that this weekend in the independence tournament, we won our first game and we were absolutely shocking. <laughs> and well, I walked off the field thinking, oh, that that's not success in my head, <laughs> like seeing that. But anyways, um, so for me personally, I'll tell you personally for me, and mm -hmm. this has evolved is just walking away from a training session and the kids saying it's over already. Hmm. That that's success for me right now, because I know that they're enjoying it. I know that they want to be there and I know that they're getting better. Um, so for me individually, like that is music to my ears when the session ends and they're like, really it's over. <laughs> um, and so that for the club, I want that to be the same for every team where it's like, I can't wait to get on the field. And I can't wait, you know, or, or I'm upset that the session's over and I don't want to leave. Um, we, we do a, a supplemental training session that's optional. Mm. And it's been amazing, the attendance that we've had. Yeah. And I've been at clubs before where it's like, okay, we have an optional training session. If you want to show up, you can show up. And it's like five kids are there, 10 right. kids are there in massive clubs. And like I have on my personal team, I have 16 players. And we have no less than 14 at each one of those supplemental training sessions. Nice. So th to me, that's exciting because kids are enjoying it. And at the end of the day, you know, no one's going to remember that we won a tournament. We won a Champions League game. We won this, won that. They're going to remember the experience that they had with their peers and those types of things. And so for me, that's success. And I love, love, love watching kids get better. Like just that light bulb going off in their head where they were like, whoa, I didn't think I could do that. Or I couldn't do that before. And now I can. That's really exciting for me. And that excited me when I was working with pro players. Like uh, I'll use Clay Dimmick as an example. Like mm -hmm. he and I and, and Hugh Roberts would work for 30 minutes every morning before every training session. And we would just work on little pieces of their game. And it's mm -hmm. like just watching those things improve, even in those guys. Right. Like that was really exciting for me. And so that's what I want our club to, to, to feel like, like, okay, we went from A to B and B to C and C to D and kids are loving it the whole journey. Uh, that'll be huge success. We don't have to be a massive, massive club. We don't have to, 
to win national championships, that'd be awesome. But if they all walked away from the experience, still love the game and still participated in the game at whatever level it was when they were done at FCC, that's success. So improving and having fun doing it, that sounds great. Because at the end of the day, this is a game. And if you're not enjoying it, what's the point, right? Yeah, I feel that 100%. I told, for me, when I stopped playing, I knew it was time. There's Mm -hmm. so many players, though, that they just keep fighting through that. like, And they're just not satisfied. And they're not enjoying it. And they're grinding. And they're making lots of money. I mean, I have guys that I coached that are playing in MLS that are like, I just hate it. I hate it right now. I show up every day because I'm beginning a paycheck and I'm going, man, that's disappointing. Yeah. Like you used to, like, I remember the joy in your face when you would come to training and we would train and compete. And I, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's sad when people lose that. And so oh, I, I don't, I don't ever want to be the coach that sucks that out of somebody. Uh, that's time for me then to step away from the game mm. um, and do something different, but um, for a job, I guess. Well, that sounds like a good philosophy to live by. Um, so I don't really have any other questions for you about the club. Is there anything about FC Carolinas that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, man, we've got a, a lot of exciting things that are kind of coming. Um, yeah. You know, we um, one of the things that we're doing a lot of facility improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, we're building a small stadium. Um, we're going to build a building and we're going to have uh, video room capabilities, meeting capabilities. We're, we're going to try to, again, amplify the player's um, experience within the club. And, mm-hmm. and, and a part of that, too, is like adding, keep adding what's the next layer. And so one of the things we're excited about and we'll hopefully be able to announce here in the next little bit is adding a men's pre-professional team mm-hmm. um, and then adding a women's pre-professional team. And so we can have the kids in our club aspire to that next next point of their career and provide them opportunities again when they are done at fcc there's another layer whether they yeah. go to college and come back whether they do something else we have another layer so i'm all about trying to figure figure out how we keep people in the game for as long as we can mm-hmm. i'm also because of my experience i, I want to try to develop professional players too yeah um one of the things that i find really interesting is the soccer community has been brainwashed that there's only one path to success yeah. to be a professional player or a college player. And I think that's, that's the farthest thing from the truth. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't start playing competitive soccer till I was in 10th grade and played in college and got to play a few years. They let me hang around on a protein for a few years. <laughs> Clay Dimmick, great example of a guy that has grinded through a different pathway. And there's tons of those stories. And so one of the ideas of starting this team is like, let's find guys that aren't going in the traditional and girls that are, aren't going in the traditional pathway that we can provide really good opportunities. And it comes back to that development piece and, yeah. you know, like focusing on that. And so we're really excited about being able to expand. We're really excited about uh, improving our infrastructure. Um, we haven't really been able to host a lot of games at our facility because we didn't have a lot of infrastructure, so we're improving that, and uh, and hopefully we can host a lot of games. Hopefully we can uh, get more people out at the park and play, and you know we've got lots of great plans to engage different parts of the community with this team and with our club, um, and provide value. We want to add value to the soccer community, not mm-hmm. just take. Um, and so we're trying to figure out cool ways to do that with 
adding these teams. So, so that's on the horizon. Hopefully in the next month we can start making those announcements and details and, uh, and really get going uh, out here at FCC. Yeah, sounds like I got a lot of exciting things around the corner. Yeah. Looking forward yeah. To, to seeing how it goes. We got to get Jorge to play. So yeah, yeah. What, why not? I've, I've, I, I talked to him the other night again at training. I said, look, I looked down on your end of the field. He was doing some demonstrations. I'm like, you still got it, buddy. We need you out there to play. So I mean, he's been retired for, what, a few months? He was great. Right. Like He was doing a bicycle kick like two years ago. Like No, right. he, he absolutely could still play. Oh, yeah. So we got to get him <laughs> out there. We need a goal scorer. Definitely, so, definitely. Well, yeah. D- Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I've really enjoyed learning more about FC Carolinas and looking forward to seeing all of these things that you guys are working towards. Yeah, no problem. And listen, thank you guys for what you do in the Champions League to provide great opportunities for players. Um, we're very, very excited to be a part of it and want to continue to help grow it um, and be a vital member of it. So I, we, I really appreciate it. I've only been involved for a short amount of time, mm-hmm. but I know you guys are working really hard to provide really great options for kids, and uh, we really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, for Dave Dixon, I'm Chris Davis, and you've been listening to Dive Into Development.